Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome back to the podcast. The Coach HP Show confirmed 100% the most positive show on the internet on the planet Earth. It's been confirmed. It is what it is. Deal with it. Deal with it. The most positive show on the planet. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. Give me a review. All the good stuff. This is for you. This is for the people. Thank you so much. Today's episode, episode number 88 of the Coach HP Show. My brother-in-law, the man, the legend, Nick Carlos Martin, Nick Carl Martin on IG, the man of many trades, the man that one time helped me move when I came to Vegas. I don't know why I put this guy through this. When I came to Vegas, he helped me move. I put all my stuff in storage, and when we moved to my place here, this dude came out. I had my stuff on the top part in storage with a ladder with the biggest mission of the world. I felt so bad for him. So episode 88, Nick Carl Martin. Happy birthday, Nick. Today's your birthday. Hope you enjoy it. It's your coach. Here we go. All right, three, two, one. Nick, and we're on. We're live. Bro, one of one of the interesting thing about me doing this is a lot of people aren't used to just talking. Right. So they'll start in. It's like more like interview style, you know? So they get all like weird and stuff. But one of the benefits of having you on is that I can talk to you and... I could just be a normal conversation, man, which is the cool part. Okay, yeah, for sure. You got that there? There we go. Boom. How's the, how's the yeah. phone? Good? You see yeah, it? Yeah, we're, yeah, it works great. All right, dude. Question number one. How does it feel having such a sweet beard your whole life, man? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Got me. Uh, it got me through a lot of doors. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I've been shaving since the Gillette Mach 2, if anybody remembers that. How early was that? How how old were you when you realized that, bro, you were going to have such a good beard, man? Uh, I was probably like 12 years old. I'm 30 now. so When you were 12 for sure? Yeah. I had like – it wasn't Damn. as thick as it was now, but uh, I probably had like like the cheeks and the chin and like my mustache wasn't as full, but like – Probably by the time I was like 13, 14, I had like what you see now. Bro, and how often would you shave back then? Because when you started to rock it like a lot later now, no? Uh, I've been rocking a beard since I was like 16. I actually got a, 
I think like my junior year in high school, I got ID'd like first day back to school. The security guard IDs me and uh, tells I like I had worked all summer with my dad, just uh, just working with him in the docks and stuff like that. He used to uh, import and export like uh, fruits and vegetables, and he got like a bad shipment of onions for a little backstory. So like. It was just repeeling them and repackaging them, whatever. I just looked like very burly. I had my beard super long. So first day back at school, uh, ID, you know, security guard starts me. He's like, hey, I need your ID. I go, what do you mean? I go, I go to school here. He goes, no, you don't. You're way too old to be in high school. I was just like, all right. So I show him my school ID for like, I think sophomore year. And he goes, okay, go in. So I was like coming in from the parking lot. I went to a Braddock Senior High. And then walking from the parking lot in to like the main corridors, I get stopped by another security guard. Like, hey, uh, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm going to school. Like, what do you mean? And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, that was when I was like, all right, cool. I probably, I, th I think I look way older than I do now. <laughs> Nick, bro, when did you start knowing so many things, man? Because you're one of the few guys that know so much about a lot of things, bro. When did you start understanding that you could just know stuff, man? Uh, probably from early on. Um, so a little backstory. I grew up on a, on a ranch in Alabama uh, with my dad and my mom. And, uh, you know, my dad would give me a lot of responsibilities at an early age. So um, I guess it came from there. Like, you know, good work ethic and responsibilities got instilled because it was just me my mom and my dad. So, you know, pretty much if I didn't put in my two cents, you know, we wouldn't survive like the ranch, you know, wouldn't survive itself. So, um, there was a time we were cattle ranchers and then we switched over to fish farmers and, uh, we had all kinds of animals, but we did get heavy into catfish farming for a while. And, uh, like one of the responsibilities were it's a pond. So there's like no natural oxygen um and feeding you know you have to do everything yourself so to oxygenate the ponds you gotta like turn on propellers and stuff like that and check the ph level so holy shit. My, yeah my dad would do the overnight shift my mom would do the morning shift while i'm at school and then in the afternoon i would do everything you know i was probably like man i want to say like seven to like nine years old so you know my dad has thousands and thousands of dollars invested into these ponds so you know, at nine years old, it's a lot of responsibility, but, you know, it was just another day for me, you know? So in a shift, what would you do in a shift? You'd have to do what? Um, So come home from school, uh, try to do my homework, but we lived on a huge ranch, so I'd probably throw my books and get on a horse and start, like, chasing my dad, see whatever I had to do. So in a shift, uh, check pH levels, make sure there's no, like, not too much acidity or alkaline in the ponds because it's still water. Um, and then if there's not enough oxygen, turn on the tractors, which are connected to propellers, which would oxygenate the water. Um, and then if they need an afternoon feeding, I, uh, feeding, I drive a truck, I fill it up from this huge feeder tank we had, fill up the truck, and then the truck would have this big bin and with a blower, it would just like spit out um, fish food into the ponds. So that was like a basic uh, afternoon shift and then like checking up on animals and stuff like that. And then, okay, so the point with the catfish is what, to eventually sell it? Yeah, so it's like a crop, like anything other. You uh, build your pond, 
and then you buy what's called the guppy, which is like a small catfish, and then you raise it, and then eventually you sell it back to your provider. How um, many would you have in a pond at the time? A couple tons, uh, anywhere between two to four tons in each pond. I don't even know what a catfish looks like, bro. I got to Google that thing, man. Uh, pretty ugly fish, freshwater fish, yeah. whiskers. Um, pretty good taste. I ate a lot of fish nuggets as a kid. I'll tell you that much. Um, it was kind of rough, like growing up, obviously in Alabama, a different state. Um, for what us. part of Alabama? So it's a really small town called Fonsdale. It was like population 87 when I was growing up there. Any <laughs> Cubans there at all or no? Only Cubans, I think in like that part of Alabama, honestly. And you were there to what age? Uh, probably I came back, um, when I was like fifth grade going on to sixth grade, I think I finished fifth grade here. So any from like kindergarten to like fifth grade, I was there. Nick, you make any good friends over there or nothing at all? Um, not too many. We, we actually did find one Cuban person at church. She like heard us talking Spanish and she was of Cuban descent like us, like second generation. And uh, that's how we became friends. But her husband was white. And then, like, you know, I became friends with their kids. Um, but other than that, not much. It was just me, my dad, and my mom. That's all. That was about it. Looking back at it now, living in Alabama with in that time was, do you miss that? Do you think about that? And I go, look, thank God I'm not in that anymore. Um, Kind of like yes and no. It, I wouldn't be, I think, the person I am today. If it wasn't for, like, that background, like, a lot of kids, like, played sports or, uh, you know, watch cartoons or got to, like, I guess really enjoy my childhood. My my childhood was um, based on work ethic, but I, I would never take it for granted. I mean, my dad sold his business to, you know, have the American dream and have a ranch or whatever. But, like you said, like, all those things that I know how to do, I guess I wouldn't know how to do them now if I didn't have that kind of childhood. That makes sense, man. That makes sense. When did you start the to think of stuff like bartending and understanding different drink style and stuff like that, man? Uh, probably like in my later teens. So uh, I think I was probably like eight. I have to be eighteen because in Florida you have to be you have to pour at eighteen. So I was probably like right around eighteen. I was living on my own already. Um, I had an older roommate. Uh, my roommates were older. I was, like, the only one that was, like, in the teens. Um, he wanted to take a bartending course, and I guess he got, like, a two-for-one special. He's like, you know, try it out. Maybe you'll like it. You right. know, see what happens. I went to uh, ABC Bartending School on Flagler and 72nd for anybody that's local, um, like, in that area. And then I guess the guy at the time that was running was called Mark, and then the guy looks at me. This guy, I'd never met him before in my life. Look at him right in the face, and he goes, you're going to be good, kid. I was like, all right, cool. So I just started uh, doing that. And then, you know, I got a bartending certificate for anybody that's in the biz. It's not worth anything. It's a piece of paper. <laughs> Honestly, you have to have restaurant experience. And then shortly after, I moved to Orlando, and uh, I applied to a job, you know, I applied as a bartender. The guy's like, hey, I see you have a bartending certificate, but that's, not, that's not, not really worth anything. And at this point, I need a job. I was like, dude, I'll sweep floors, I'll wash dishes, I really don't care. I just, you know, I just need a job. 
and then they saw my work ethic or whatever and i think like in a span of like four months they finally put me behind the bar and that's where it started and then uh i just like like the you know the quick movement interacting with people and it's you know it's one of those jobs like where if you really like it it just doesn't you know doesn't really feel like a job Nick, what's what's what makes a good bartender? Is it listening skills? Is it speed? Uh, I think a good bartender, in my opinion, is just like attention to detail. Honestly, you know, speed, good listening, all that comes into play. So I think attention to detail makes it fall into one category. I mean, you know, if you drink sweating and you have a wet napkin, make sure you change the napkin. That's like a nice little small detail. Uh, you know, if you know the floor is busy, make sure you bang out the drinks that you have to pump out at service bar. Uh, make sure your bar's attended. Nobody's like short on a drink. You know, make sure everybody has water. Uh, they tell you when you have a drink, you should have water on the side, and it's good. You know, it's just, there's a lot of uh, I guess domino effects that fall into behind a bar that people don't see, but it's an interesting job. Definitely a lot of interesting characters, but it's an interesting uh, career to have. How many orders could you do at the same time? Um, it depends, I guess, on the drink orders, but I think usually like a spec is you never want to take longer than 90 seconds to make a drink. The 90, 90 seconds. seconds is, yeah, 90 seconds is a really long time. So it depends on the drink too. If it's like a vodka soda, you can bang it on a couple of seconds. <laughs> but what, what were one of the worst mistakes you made while you were a bartender? Do you remember it? One of the worst mistakes I ever made as a bartender. Um... I guess, I mean, it's kind of like a biased opinion. I guess um, sometimes, like, I guess the customer is always right, but it works out in a benefit to one story I have. I'm super busy at a bar. Long story short, you know, I'm busy. I'm the only one. This lady, I'm being super nice to her. You know, I get her food. For some reason, she just, like, flips off or she pops off. <clears throat> she ends up, like, throwing a plate of food into the bar because she's just like oh, mad. yeah like i was like super attentive to her like while it was slow like we had just opened and then i just got busy out of nowhere like i just get slammed it was like a football sunday or something like that and then for some reason out of the other like i don't know what i did so i'm being super nice everybody at the bar is like you know super cool with me throws a plate of food call the manager over manager's not helping he's like just comp the whole meal like i'm not trying to deal with this so i was like all right cool she's being super rude but what helped out I guess, like, I guess being too patient or being too nice, everybody else at the bar was like, Miss, you have to leave right now. Like, this guy's been nothing but cool with you. Like, you need to leave right now. So, like, literally everybody at the bar just ganged up on this lady. He's like, just leave. Lady felt embarrassed, left. And I think I probably made the most money that day out of, like, everything. Because, like, you have to be a really patient dude to be, like, dealing with people like that. So, yeah, man. It's work Working with the public is crazy, man. You got to have, like, this weird patience you gotta especially when you're in a service thing that thing's that thing's sick how do you how do you like when you worked in the restaurant what was it called the one that you were just at uh so the last uh place i worked at i was at uh, stk the uh, national STK. franchise steakhouse yeah how was I that was a, uh, it was uh it was cool honestly really good company to work for awesome company um it's cool it has like a a sexy vibe to it so there's their uh motto is like not your daddy's steakhouse so it's you know it's a steakhouse fine dining 
but they still play music and they try to keep a vibe. So it kind of meets that like where you kind of want to have your swagger, but you still want to like, you know, elevate the uh, guest experience. So that was a cool place to work at. Um, one of my longer managing um, shifts. I was always like bar bartender because I, I never wanted the responsibilities of management, but I got in there with the, um, you know, idea to grow within the company. Uh, but then as everybody knows, you know, the whole COVID-19 situation happened. So I had to like kind of switch off careers. Do you miss being there at all or no? Uh, I definitely miss the industry. I do miss being there. Um, it's kind of like something that just like, you know, I found my groove in, you know, just like, I guess for you, like, you know, the whole baseball thing, at the end of the day, you're always going to go back to that. It's what you're good at. It's what you're natural at. So, um, everybody feels like, you know, something for what they're comfortable at. Um, but it's good to be uncomfortable. Like right now I'm in a completely different field and uh, it humbles me. Like we said in the beginning of the conversation, I always, you know, find different things to do or I find different, um, you know, ways to get ahead. And I, I try to just be the best I can be at whatever it is I'm doing at the time. You know what I just remember right now? Remember when I moved here, bro, that we went to that stupid ass storage, bro? And we moved uh, and stuff. Yeah. What the yeah. fuck was that, man? That was horrible. I just should have thrown everything there away. That was horrible, dude. Have you uh, been to a storage back since then? Um, I haven't. Honestly, I, I've moved a couple of things in and out for friends and stuff. But I, I do remember that. I think the most, uh, I think the thing I remember the most is when you had your dog, Max, and you just, at that time, you had like a really like, you had like a nice watch and you just throw it in there. You're like, Max, please don't chew this watch. <laughs> I just like look at you. I'm like, you're super brave throwing that watch in there with a bit more. I do. Dude, that, that was, was horrible, bro. Thing about that. Yeah. That, that was, thing was horrible, bro. Second, up the second floor, putting a mattress. What a disaster, bro. Yeah. I hate storage. I have a video waiting that I'm, that I, that I'm about to, that I've had it there for so long of the last storage of your mom's thing that I moved some stuff there with your sister. And I go, bro, I hate this shit, man. This shit's so bad. But I had to vlog it, and I vlogged it, and it made it easier for me just to enjoy it. But, bro, I hate storages, bro. Any storage thing, I hate, man. I think moving in general is everything. I think, like, my younger years, especially when I moved to Orlando, I moved every year. Like, there was never a year that I spent more than a year in the same house. So Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you were to guess how many times you've moved in your life, uh, I mean, from like 17, from 17 years old to like 25. So that's eight years right there. Okay. Hold that's, on. Hold on. Let's, let's do the math. Let's do the math here. We're going to hook you up. All right. So you were born where? I was born in Miami. So that's one. All right. Right. I lived in an apartment when I was born and then we moved to a house. So that's two. Yeah. And then now uh, as I got a little older, we moved to Alabama. Three. Moved back to Miami. Four. Moved out of my house when I was like about 17, 18. Five. Eight times after that. So eight times. Orlando was eight times. So Orlando was one, and then every year after that. So like eight, <laughs> so eight times. times. Okay, so five. Then we go Orlando. So we got to go. Like, eight. Hold on. Let me do the math. I'm like, a, I'm like at 13 right now. Now you're at 13, bro. You said it. It's good math there. Where? Yeah. Okay, after that. Back. Back to Miami. 14? 14. And then uh, at the time, I was with uh, an ex of mine. We 
probably moved twice since I know you there, no? Twice with my ex and then two times with Hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Slow down. 16, okay. Yeah, so twice with my ex, twice with my ex-roommate, too. Hold my ex with my roommate. 18? Yeah. And then uh, I lived with a friend. I lived with her for a little while. Just like a little COVID movement, a little COVID movement there. Nineteen, yeah, right? Nine, and then now I'm my little, uh, my little <laughs> shocking color being twenty times. Twenty times, bro. I've moved twenty times in my lifetime. Twenty times, and you're thirty, right? Yeah. That's not bad, bro. Thirty <laughs> times, man. So uh, I'm pretty good at moving, I guess. <laughs> Buddy, I, I, I hate to say this, but I know I beat you, bro, by a lot. No. Let me tell you. 100% because just in, in going from Cuba to Spain, Spain to Miami, forget about all the missions in between. If I go Cuba, Spain, Spain, Miami, North Carolina, Miami, Los Angeles, those six years in Los Angeles, bro, from a car to every place that I landed, I I think there I I did 15 alone there, bro, and then Vegas three times to move back here. I'm telling you, I got you. I'm telling you, I know I got you. I know I got no, you. No, for sure, just the car alone. Like I I think I think the worst I've ever done was like, I had to. Uh, I mean. I moved to Orlando, like I was dating this girl, and then like we ended up bro- breaking up. And then a good friend of mine, Lewis, uh, like not he's a good friend of mine now, but I barely knew this kid. I was like, "Yo, I need a roommate," you know. He's like, "Yo, me too." And we ended up moving in together, and then we moved into like a it was like Section Eight housing. It was bad. Like, it, it was really, bad. yeah, it was really bad. How much we was paid, the rent? Bro, I think we paid for like a two bedroom in Orlando. Section eight housing, probably like a little over six hundred bucks. Wow. It wasn't like it wasn't terrible, but we were like bus boys at the time. Like we we made ends meet, Dang. and I think the I'm saying the car is worse, but like the worst I think I ever had, we were like scrambling for change, like in the couches, like just flipping our cars, trying to make the rent. We had like owed rent the next day, and like at four in the morning, we're at Walmart. And, got the coin star just dumping and change seeing we could make it and we made it by like 10 cents dude like we were 10 uh, cents over our rent we're like no we made it (laughs) i (laughs) for for me what was what was hard about sleeping in the car was that i had all my possessions in the car and i just i never thought that this i did a lot of research on moving to los angeles but I never thought that it would be cold in Los Angeles. I always figured it'd be sunny California. Right. Like I saw in the videos and all stuff. And I happened to move with January 15th, bro. Oh, man. 2006. Like three in in the morning in the car. Bro, like it was like, no. And then I drove (laughs) over there. So I drove from Miami, which I don't know if you ever drove. Have you ever driven from Miami to California? No. No, I don't know if I want that, but no, <laughs> done that three, uh, I've done that three times, bro. Eight wow. hours, I think it's eight hours to get out of Florida once you yeah, make that turn sure. that way. Mississippi, New Orleans, not that bad. Those go quick. I think it's like, 
I think you maybe get a little of Alabama, but I'm saying little of Alabama, Mississippi, New Orleans, easy. Texas is 14 hours alone. Texas. <laughs> and the funny thing about Texas, dude, it's that when you go in through Texas, the first part is very industry-like. So it's like normal, normal highway, normal stuff. When you pass by New Orleans, you kind of see down, you see the Superdome, you see all that. Then Texas is crazy. Then Texas, you pass that city vibe, whatever. Then you see San Antonio. After you pass San Antonio, it looks like, do you remember uh, the Roadrunner and Wildy e. Coyote? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but bro, it looks like literally like that, dude. It's all these like hills and these swirling winds. And when you, and then the signs that say, the signs that say, be careful, ice, the, the bridges with ice, it gets slippery. And it was, and it was so cold that ice, you see ice in your mirror? Yeah. And there's no, there's nobody, bro, for a while, man. It's just crazy. And then here's the crazy part. When you hit civilization, you hit El Paso. And brother, El Paso looks like Tijuana Juarez. <laughs> Like an episode of Narcos, but then when they're in the hood. <laughs> yeah. So that in itself is sucks. And then when you get to Arizona's nice, man. Believe it or not. Arizona, very orange, very but Arizona's beautiful. And then that takes wait a minute. No, sorry. New Mexico first, then Arizona, then then California, which it takes a long way. What was hard for me living in my car, Nick, was there was no smartphone back then. So there was the way of entertaining yourself, dude. And I honestly thought, since I'm a social guy, I go, bro, I'm going to get there. Something good's going to happen. I'm going to meet people. And Nick, it was the complete reverse, bro. I didn't even want to leave my car, man. I would shower and shave at the Equinox gym. I would get food. There was like this Motel 5 in Hollywood Boulevard. Very like raunchy area. And I would get like their frosted flakes, whatever they had with milk. And I would eat that once a day and then maybe go back again. And that's it, bro. So I did that that's for crazy. six months and you couldn't talk to anybody. Was, who's I, who's I going to talk to? I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to my parents. I didn't talk to anybody. I, I had a cell phone. I had a, I got a razor. Remember the razor? Oh uh, yeah. Good phone. <laughs> good phone. The razor. I had a yeah, razor. We were getting a good phone. That's a good phone. I had a razor, some books, and I would just like think myself to sleep at night, and I couldn't put a whole night together, bro. And then my foot, and then the problem was, since it was so cold, I never thought about going to like Walmart and get buying like a like a blanket. So I would right. just sit there and freeze. I would have all these jackets on me and freeze, and sometimes my foot would fall asleep in reverse. Whatever's ever happened to you, bro? I'm in, yeah. a, I'm in a Corolla, you can imagine. And have you ever fallen asleep with your foot so bad that when you get up, you just feel like the knob of your foot and you don't feel your foot? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, 100%. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. Dude, I thought in my sleep, I go, holy shit, I'm going to have to amputate my leg, but I can still act, <laughs> so I'll be good. Yeah. Those are some crazy times. This is, it's, listen, you think now and you look at with how you're living right now, 
and you realize, man, to be happy, you don't really need much. Do you think about that? Uh, yeah, actually, 100% all the time. Actually, I live in a small, really small place right now, um, kind of like close to your area, you know, uh, kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, you don't, you don't need much. I think right now, um, I'm close to family, you know, close to you, close to, uh, everybody. So I, I think the most valuable thing is that spending the, the time I have or the time that my family has left, you know, to enjoy me, you, you, you don't need much at all. And then, um, you know, th th those are, that's what made you, you know, as a person, those people that are close to you, those people that motivate you, those people that, you know, are there with you day in and day out. So, you know, I live in my little place now. I got, I got enough, enough kitchenette to get, you know, my food done. A place to what do you eat tonight? Because by the way, buddy, you're huge. How, how much, <laughs> how much muscle mass have you put on, bro? Uh, I've been working out good for like about four months now. Um, I, I can't really tell how much I've put on. Um, I was a very uncomfortable, um, I guess, lardy, like 215, 210. And I probably weigh about the same now. I just uh, I just look a little muscular right now. So I guess what I'm are you like eating? dropping. What are you eating? Uh, what would you eat uh, tonight? It's, it's the worst, man. Chicken and cauliflower. It's the worst. That's all you're eating? <laughs> uh, I eat pretty much that. I, I try to keep eating... So what's easy for me, um, you know, I keep it simple. Uh, I eat a lot of grilled chicken and um, have my little barbecue outside. So I eat a lot of grilled chicken and uh, vegetables, steam in bag, pop it in the microwave really easy. Um, and then in the mornings, I have like a, uh, a protein oatmeal with a little bit of dark chocolate and like uh, berries and stuff like that. What do you but eat for lunch? Same thing. Repeat the same meal about like three, four times a day. And then... I'll switch it up every now and then. I'll make like a uh, a lean like turkey chili or something like that. Or um, pretty much, I eat the same stuff every day. I call it the people ask me all the time about my diet. I'm like, it's like a dog food diet. I mean, you feed your dog the same thing every day, and pretty yeah. much looks the same, right? So it's kind of like what I do. How long are you gonna keep that up, bro? Um. So right now, I'm trying to do a drastic change, kind of like uh, develop a little more muscle, drop a little fat. Um, once you develop enough muscle, in my opinion, to, you know, burn enough calories, cause obviously you can burn calories while you have, you know, muscle mass, you know, you can eat pretty much not go off the peak and like eat whatever you want, but try to maintain a healthy lifestyle. But this right now, probably a couple more months. Um, really? So like, so I get to where I want to be. Yeah, for sure. Where do you want to get to? uh probably like i'm like five eight so probably like 200 pounds i'm a thicker guy like i'm not they say five eight should be between anywhere 165 to 185 but i don't think i've weighed 165 since i was like 12 years old i was like a chubby kid so <laughs> bro yeah. what what food do you miss the most uh honestly my cuban food like just really? a good old yeah a good old plate of rice and beans and like heavy protein and you don't eat rice and beans twice. Is this gonna like puff you up? You think, or it's gonna lead you to bad things? Or, um, at least for me, um, if I eat too many, um, like rice and beans or let's say heavy sodium, I'll blow it up a little bit. Uh, like I'll, I'll fill up too much. Um, and it's just like it, it's it, it's just too many calories within the day. Like you've eaten a plate of like you know home cooked 
like mom's food. Like it's just yeah. an exaggerated plate of just like rice, beans, protein, and then like you're not even finishing the last bite, and they're like, "Here, go ahead, throw mom." I'm like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> like that's enough." <laughs> so, so that, are, you, uh, are you? Did you quit alcohol? Or are you still drinking? Uh pretty much stopped. Uh, so in the nightlife or in the service industry, you pretty much it, it it's like a poor excuse, but it's like you're around it every day, and like you have like a rough day, you have a drink, and then eventually like it creates a habit. But I pretty much stopped. Um, I mean, I'll have a beer every now and then um, with a friend or something like that. I have a friend that just had a uh, baby, so every now and then he'll call me. He's like, "Man, I need a garage beer." I'm like, "All right, man, I'll pass by and have one with you." So wow, dude, what kind of beer do you like? Um, I'm more of a whiskey guy, so I'll have like a, a beer just to chase my whiskey, but any kind of like lager, uh, Corona Familiar, which is like their dark style or like good old American, uh, Budweiser. Favorite type of whiskey? Uh, bourbon. Um, I like bullet, but, uh, pretty much bourbon, American whiskey, made more of corn. So it's like a little sweeter. Whiskey. Huh? When, when I was in the nightclub, not every once in a while, I get some Mexican dudes that I want to order a whiskey. And, I, and they're like, yeah, man, give me some girls to the table. I go, my man, I'm going to tell you something right now. The worst <laughs> drink you could ever do to, to get girls at the table is going to be whiskey. So you're going to have to change that up just to Sorry. let you know. You, you're going to have to change that up. What is, what is Johnny Walker? Isn't that whiskey? Johnny Walker is a scotch. So oh, it's a scotch. Mo yeah, most of their lines are blended scotch. Um, so scotch is uh, made mostly out of like uh, malt and like hops, which is kind of like the same ingredients as beer. So the easiest way to explain it for me, at least, I mean, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more of a concentrated beer pretty much. And like for me, it kind of like uh, burns my stomach and then bourbon is made more out of corn. So more of the mash has to be out of corn, but you also have a rye bourbon, which is made more like from rye grain. Um, so I always, I, usually... thought, I always thought that people would drink the the johnny walker because the following day you wouldn't be have a hangover does that make sense um yeah so like hangovers usually consist of like a lot of sugar so if you if you drink something with like a lot of sugar that's kind of where the hangovers come from essentially don't get me wrong everybody's different um but essentially hangovers come from a lot of whiskey so yeah if you drink like a finer spirit or a spirit that's less in sugar then yeah the hangovers are less you know the cheaper booze you drink obviously are packed with sugar or packed with right, other right, stuff right, right that'll that'll cons that'll give you that kind of like you know headache and suffering nick here's a funny story so i remember at the club one time i uh, i remember my so my dad would drink johnny walker always black label unless something crazy happened to be blue label right that right. one, yeah, that's something crazy. <laughs> so I remember one Christmas, yeah, I'm already starting to do good. And I go and I, I get him a Johnny Walker uh, blue label. It's like 190 bucks or something like that. If I remember, yeah. something like that. Bro, when I'm at Hyde, I'm in the nightclub. I get a guy that gets blue label. A guy would always come in with his wife, just him and his wife. And he always get, a, get me a blue label, blue label. They had a $2,000 minimum and it'd be a blue label. Do you know how much the blue label was at Hyde Bellagio, bro? uh well i'm drinking i'm thinking like if it's at 190 back in the day probably times four or five probably four or five times the price i guess like a thousand bucks something like that bro without tax and gratuity 
twelve hundred bucks a bottle Jesus. of. <laughs> and then when I did the math, I remember telling my dad that was a trip for two to Punta Cana, all in inclusive <laughs> airfare yeah. and everything on one bottle, buddy. And just him <laughs> and his wife. I don't know which one. You're like, yo, it's just you two guys. Like, well, you get <laughs> and they would and they would do it because they wanted the table on the fountain. Man, that's crazy, dude. How Nick, how you mentioned family, man. I'm not, other than with my new family that I have, I'm not so family oriented, man. And I think it's because the family that you can't pick your family, you can pick your friends, you can't pick your family. Mm -hmm. And as I talk to a lot of people, which by the way, I've had some interesting guys these last, I mean, let me run this by you. So my Friday guests, you probably know. So I had Robert Bailey. Remember Robert Bailey, the football player? So that dude, who knew this? Guy's from Barbados, went to Southridge, wins two titles with Miami, mm -hmm. gets drafted in the fourth round by the Rams, gets the longest pun has he has the longest history of the pun return in the NFL history. His Instagram is NFL record. <laughs> That's his handle. <laughs> NFL That's record. Awesome. Okay. Wins a Super Bowl with the Cowboys. And wins another Super Bowl with the Ravens, bro. And he's now the president of Rosenhaus Sports with Drew Rosenhaus, okay? So that was Friday. Saturday, I had tremendo guy, great guy, kid, plays baseball locally here in Miami, gets a scholarship to go to Harvard, plays at Westminster, goes to Harvard, Cuban kid, goes to Harvard on a baseball scholarship, which is crazy enough as it is, 20-something days into being at Harvard, Nick, that guy's, you know when you throw BP behind those screens? Bro, the guy throws a pitch, and when the guy hits it, instead of turning into the screen, he turns away to the screen, and the ball hits him right in the eye. Oh, man. Loses his eye at 18, bro. Loses his eyesight at this eye, becomes legally blind sight forever. Oh, man. Which is crazy. Loses his dad at a real young age, too, 58 years old. That was his boy. They had gas stations. His dad always hooked them up. All of a sudden, his dad gets, like, stage four cancer, disappears. Like this, bro. Crazy. And now he's one of the best attorneys probably in the country. He's, he's a beast. He's a beast. So that was Saturday. Nick, the legend, Nick Carl Martin today. And then um, tomorrow... Listen, and then tomorrow I have Level. Do you remember Level? Yes, I actually the the fighter. The fighter, bro. Dude, I met him. I, I didn't meet him honestly. Like I saw him at the gym. This was back when, uh, man, I don't know if it was you fit at the time or if it was still Porgies. You remember Porgies? Yes. Like the local, yeah. So it was a port. I think you fit ended up buying the Porgies contracts or whatever. But I see Level training, and I just you know I said so to him like. You know, yo, this is a local guy. This is back when the whole Kimbo Slice thing was going on. And right. And so I'm like, yo, that's level. Like, yo, this guy. And the same, like, intensity that you saw him, like, in those videos, like, that's the, that's the way the guy would train. Like, I was like, really? yo, that's impressive. You know, like, you know, it's kind of like, yo, I'm not going to go up to him. Hey, what's up, level? Like, you know, big fans. And I'm like, you know? <laughs> but, I was, but, like, you know, like, you're watching the guy. Like, I don't care. Everybody does the same thing. Like, I'm watching the guy in the corner of my arm. Like, yo, this guy's the real deal. Like, this guy's training for real. Like, the way 
the way he does it on those videos in the street, he's doing it right now at the gym. Like, you know, same intensity, same guy, like, you know, still humble, but like, you know, very straight face and like, you know, well mannered. Like, you know, yeah, you respect somebody like that. So yeah, I do, you know. Huge Dude, like, huge you know, he went like he's like a evangelist now, like super, super, super religious now. Yeah, last I, I guess I, I heard of him or followed. Like, I know his following fell back, but I know he went into like religion and stuff like that. Um, big now. time, like big time. So crazy, this. So I think that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Yeah, family, bro. To me, family is 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 different. I've I've never suffered from what's called the Cuban guilt. I call it the Cuban guilt. Yeah, where you feel like you have to be at home at all times. You like, have you to know. be at home. No, you have to be at home or. Oh, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. And I and I luckily I relate a lot of my success that I tell people because a lot of people get are they when they talk to me, Nick, they're like, "Bro, you, I can't believe how what you've done all these things." They give me a lot of props for what I've done. I go, "Yeah, but I've had it easy because since my life sucked, it's, it was super easy for me to take off and do things because anything is better than what was happening to me." How do you look at that, man? Family and that stuff. How do you view it? Um, I mean, I didn't like, uh, I mean, my life wasn't like terrible. Um, but, uh, I had a good family, you know, my parents always gave me, you know, whatever I wanted or whatever I needed, you know, I earned it, you know, I worked for it and, you know, I tried to be a good kid. I never tried to cause any problems, stuff like that, you know, behind closed doors, obviously. But, um, I like 17, like 17, 18, like, you know, I was going my parents were going through like a rough patch and like they were going through their own problems. And I was like, you know, I, I kind of don't want to deal with this. So I'm just going to do my own thing. So that's like, kind of like when I ended up moving out. And uh, from that age on, I was like, kind of like always on my own and like kind of away from family. So like, I didn't have the Cuban guilt when I was young. Obviously I wanted to like party and drink and, you know, do the whole thing. And um, as I get older now uh, at 30, I do have a little bit of the guilt. Uh, I do want to enjoy, like, you know, what's left, but uh, of my family, you know, my grandparents are older, um, having a new How often town. do you see them? How often do you see them, Nick? Uh, pretty often. I just saw them this week. Uh, I see my dad almost every day. Uh, my mom, which, you know, is, like, annoying number one. You know, I try to put up with her as much as I can, but I try to see her as often. And, uh, you know, I have my niece now. Um, so. What was the last time you uh, saw her? Uh, I saw her maybe like a few weeks ago. She was at uh, a grandparents' house. Um, <laughs> she, I think she's freaked out by the beard. Even yeah. though I think I have a picture of her where she's like on my chest and I'm just like nestling her and I'm like my beard's just like falling over her head. Um, back when I had like the long beard. Uh, but it was hilarious. Like I see her and I'm like, you know, hey, Bonini, like, you know, how are you doing? She goes, She's like freaked out. She goes, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. She's just freaking out. She's freaking out. I was like, you know what? And it's like, I, I know I want to be there, but like right now is not the time. You know, she's like freaked out by me. Maybe later on when she's like, yo, Onk, I messed up. Or like, Onk, I made this decision. Like, how do you feel about it? Like, I think that's where my time is going to come in. You know, like, all right, listen, what you got to do. <laughs> listen, it's not worth shaving the beard, bro. So don't worry about it. You got to keep that beard. It's too, you're not going to lose the beard. Over a little kid, yeah. Nick. No. How does it feel, man? That that you're gonna be because cousins wise, right? Are you close to your cousins at all or no? Um, 
so I'm not like necessarily like super close where we talk every day. Um, we have a relationship. Uh, so even with my friends, like you said, you don't pick family, you pick friends. But even with my friends or my family that we are close to, uh, we're, you know, we're the kind of family and we're the kind of friends where we don't need to pick up every day the phone and, you know, call to see how our day is going. But we're the kind right. of like friends and family that, hey, if I'm calling you, like, you know, you got to pick up that phone, you know, like that's, that's the way we've always been. Even when it comes to family and even my friends, you know, they're the kind of people that if something's going on or if I call and they see my name on the, on the phone, they're like, all right, something's going down. Let me pick it up. So, um, how that's do you we've always been? How do you think of Nick having a now a nephew, bro? When Cruz comes, man, what what do you think about that? Uh, I think it's awesome. It's great. Uh, I kind of can't wrap my head around it. Um, I'm always been good with kids, but I've never been like, you know, like. I don't know, like maybe it's not my time now, but I'm really, oh, I want kids. Or like, I have a friend that just had a baby now. And like, he's like, yeah, man, I can't sleep. I can't do this. Like, he looks like it's bad. He looks, bro, you look fucking sucks. Yeah. I was like, you look terrible. Yeah, man, but it's the best thing in the world. I was like, you're not convincing, man. I was like, this is not convincing. You're too young. You're too young. No, no, no. You're too young. You're too young. Yeah. You're not even thinking of that till you're at least hit 40, buddy. You got a lot of time. Don't worry. You got 10 years of just. It's going super, after it exciting to be a, it's super exciting to be an uncle like hey i can take care of him i need to i can go back like everybody said but i guess like like i said before like i guess like my time is not now i guess my time i guess is when they're a little older or they're like oh you're not living now but i feel like you know you know I, I feel like you know a little bit about stuff so can i talk to you so i just want them to you know have that you know sense of comfort um you know to be like you know if i ever need to talk to somebody if i ever need somebody like you know my uncle's there so of that's course, man. Of course, Nick. You've done. Man. People don't know this, but you've done your little extensive work as a as a cameraman, bro. Working the the Coach yeah. HP blogs, dude. What have first, you learned? Back in the day, back <laughs> in the day when learned? I first started, yeah, dude. What have you learned? Because we've done a couple gigs. We've done Columbus. We've done. We did Fisher Island, the first one. We did NBC. What have you learned, man? Just being observant. Um, uh, I mean, like, honestly, like the, the number one thing I took in, um, uh, and like I said, it's humbling, you know, you having me on the show. So it's, you know, obviously with all these people you got going on, it's very humbling to me. Um, but what I learned is like how you are like in, uh, you know, the way, cause like you see a lot of like influencers and motivators that, like, you know, you see it every day. Like, hey, I wonder how these people are in real life. Like, are they really like that, you know? And I'm like, I got to see behind the scenes. I'm like, oh, this guy's like this all the time. Like, there's nothing. I mean, it's pretty funny. Like, uh, I think one of the first things I ever I ever uh, told my sister, say, oh, like, you know, how do you, you know, feel about Hector? So I'm like, I'm like, well, honestly, like, I feel like that guy, you can piss in his Cheerios. And you're like, man, are, are you drinking enough water? It's a little too yellow. <laughs> like, yo, this guy's positive all the time. Like, it's He's on it 100% of the time, like, you know, and I think that's one of the things I took, like, not even going as a cameraman thing, but that's what I took in the most um, from that, like, you know, seeing you develop from from then to now, but, like, 100% of the time, like, you, you're like that behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, like, I, I've never seen a shift in mood, so I think that's what I took the most from, from the most, huh? 
Yeah, for me, a cameraman. Like, nothing about the cameraman thing took me. Like, what took me for shock? I'm like, bro, this guy, like, it's five in the morning and we're doing this. Like, this guy is like, he's just way too excited. <laughs> yeah, it's way too pumped. It's crazy, <laughs> man. But when, yeah. but when you know, you know, when you know, you know, people lie to me, people deceive me, people whatever, but you just, you just attack, dude. And it feels so, so good to do it, man. Nick, what are, what is one of the things that you like the most about yourself? If there's one characteristic that you're like, dude, I love that I'm this way, what is it? Um, I think it's, honestly, it hit me now, like recently. Um, I think, uh, you know, everybody wants that, like, you know, financial stability or like to have that partner. Um, I've been through a lot of ups and downs and stuff like that. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, one thing I pride myself on is, having people not having something negative to say about me and you know i feel like my value as of right now or like as a person i am is that like you mentioned before is knowing a little bit about everything and you know being able to survive anywhere i go you know whatever it is i do and you know that's my value like uh uh i just genuinely like hard worker and stuff like that i might not be where where i want to be financially or successfully or stuff like that but like you said, very little people can, you know, do what I do now. Like, you know, you can put me in a kitchen, I can cook, you can put me, right now I test concrete, which I never thought I'd do in my life, but, you know, I'm testing concrete, like I ride a horse, I grew up on a ranch, so that, you know, that's my value, knowing a little bit about everything in this world and just, you know, trying to make it happen. Hell yeah. A couple more questions, Nick. Nick, what's your favorite type of music, bro? Uh... Bro, it's, I get that question all the time, uh, you know, talking to people or like talking to new people. I'm a little bit of everything, man, uh, from country to to rap to hip hop to salsa, everything. I can't really like put one genre on it. Whatever makes me uh, happy or puts me in the mood, that you know, that's what I'm listening to. Let me ask you a question. Tonight, if you were to be in a happy mood tonight, what are you feeling? Give me a singer. Uh, Give me, give me a guy. Give me girl, band. What are we looking at? I've been jamming a lot to like uh, that new Maluma, the Malamia. So I've been jamming a lot one. That's my morning yeah. Uh, routine. Yeah, make coffee. It's uh, the, that Maluma song I just came out. Honestly, I think it has a lot to do with like the twenty girls just laying around in the in the hotel room. But <laughs> that was a strong video at the W, buddy. It, yeah, it was. It was. I think it has to do with that mostly, but. Uh, good jam. It's, uh, that's been my morning coffee routine now for, for a couple weeks. Oh my God. I think that's a good thing. Nick, do you see the, the morale of people that you're around at work or whatever? Do you see them COVID sad? Do you see them confused? Do you see them like whatever? What's the vibe? Uh, for me right now, um, it, it's both. Um, so when i i made the decision to to you know leave sdk uh not mad about it but you know they made a, a financial and a corporate decision to to let people go uh, are they open now nick or no they can't be no yeah they're open for delivering to go only because they don't have outside seating they don't have outside seating yeah so you know the first wave was letting us go this and that we were all kind of out of a job there was like Little things here and there you could do and they could have provided. Um, but, you know, I understand the business decision behind it to like let everybody go and stuff like that. 
Um, and then eventually I was asked to be brought back, but with the whole, you know, being let go, stuff like that, like, I'm not gonna, you know, sit around and wait. So I jumped on like another, you know, another opportunity, which right. is what I do, which is what I do now, testing concrete. Um, and eventually asked us to go back, but I already been like, you know, I've already been invested into what I was doing. So, uh, as far as the restaurant industry, I see it more COVID side because you know, it's, it's not a, a yeah, it sucks. No, no, no. Yeah. So you, you, unless you have tremendous outdoor seating, let's get yeah. the outdoor seating of the year. You're going to be, it's going to be a tough situation. Exactly. So until I, I see a little bit of normality, uh, I don't think, uh, restaurants will kind of like be where they were. Um, but I work in concrete now or uh, technically, uh, construction. Uh, it's not COVID sad, it's not COVID happy. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just, it Get just it never done. stops. Construction it's never done. stops. So, never yeah. Stop. So, so, people are just getting it done. Yeah, they take precautions, but I'm like, you know, the whole wash your hands. Yeah, I wear a mask and I try to protect myself, but you're in the hot sun, you're pouring concrete. Like, I, I got cement under my fingernails probably like six to eight hours a day. Like, you know. What days do you have off, Nick? What days do you have off? Uh, I don't. I, I work seven days a week. So, I do the concrete during the week, and then my dad has a... Do, do the horses? Yeah, so he rents ponies and horses at a little fruit stand on the on Chrome, and I kind of help him out with that, you know, give him a chance to, like, go home, relax, and I'll take care of the business while he goes back, you know? Any crazy ponies going crazy stories? Any stories yeah. like that that you can share? Uh, I think the, the worst thing I ever saw was we have this one little pony called Speedy. He walks really fast. And I, I think this was like kind of like before COVID. Uh, I guess one of the parents got a little too, too uh, trigger happy on, on the booze or on the beer there they used to serve before. And this kid wanted to run or whatever. And the kid held on like a little, like a, like a tick, bro. He just, he was holding on. The horse just took off and just dragged this dude for like a good 20, 30 feet. Like, you oh know, he was, hold, he was holding on to the end of the rope because he didn't want to look at the sun. And the guy tumbles and rolls up, and he's just laughing like he's nothing. I'm like, dude, this, this is not okay. <laughs> I was like, you're lucky you're kid on, but that's do they have to sign waivers, Nick, or anything? Um, so no, under Florida law, um, all equine activities are under your own risk. So you know, nice. we don't have like any crazy horses or stuff like that. I, whenever I have time, I try to work with the horses and make sure they're broken in and they're calm and they're used to people. Um, but yeah, everything's under, you know, at your own risk or whatever. And then something we do is we let the parents walk the horses. Obviously, they're trained enough for them to walk it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not like, hey, you know, you drop my kid. You know, you know, they're animals at the end of the day. I don't know how they're going to react. Right, right. At nighttime, are the horses, like, loose? Or what's their life look like at nighttime? Uh, so, yeah, we rent a uh, five-acre uh, property. And we let them all loose. We don't really keep them, like, in stables. Nice. For the simple fact that. A, I don't have the time to, like, you know, help and, like, with my dad during the week and stuff like that. Two, it's a lot easier care. You know, you can just feed, like, a big trough and they all kind of, like, fend for themselves and they have their water and their shade and stuff like that. But if you keep them locked up in a stable and, like, you know, you have to be there three, four times a day cleaning out the stable, making sure they have water and making sure they have food. But, like, if, uh, you know, maybe we fed them in the morning, they still have grass to feed on in that, at night. Because what are they, they grass? Like, hey, what are they um, grass, hay, a little bit of grain, um, you know, stuff like that. We do get donations from produce markets. Um, so we go to the produce markets. My dad has a good connection. 
and we take donations so like uh produce that's not <clears throat> available to sell in the markets maybe it's you know by like a day or two uh expired you know it's still good you know for animal health anything that's like super past the day we get rid of or we throw it in the trash but anything that's still edible we you know give to them nothing crazy like we don't give them like Oh, you know, a ton of mangoes. Like, you know, they can be diabetic too. Like, but, right, right. Uh, How much does a pony run you? How much does a pony cost? Think. Depends, man. They're like cars. People ask me that question all the time. Um, it depends on how nice they are, how calm they are, how good they look. Um, you know, a, a black horse is not gonna cost the same as a white horse. If you know this one kicks and bites, it's not gonna cost the same as the one that you can ride. What's more expensive, a black horse or white horse? Uh. Honestly, white probably, man, because everybody just likes the color. That's bullshit. Like that's bullshit. That's bullshit. We yeah. should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's no we good. Should change it. Yeah, I have. I have a black one called Speedy, the one that dragged the guy. That's the. That's the Speedy. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you a question. Nick. Now that we talked the black white situation, man, I think we're. I had this question with Robert, and I asked this to anybody that I have that's black. I think we get we got lucky here in Miami because we're us being Hispanic. We're a minority, but in Miami, because we are the majority, it's like reverse than, than what normally goes on. Have you ever dealt, maybe in Alabama, have you ever dealt with any racism or anything like that? Yes. So, like, to me, it's to me, it's a very, um, I'm not going to say it's a touchy subject, but it, it's a subject that I choose to stay quiet on. Um, so, going back to the catfish farming that, that we started uh, my dad got into catfish because we were cattle ranchers and then there was a spike in the 90s for fish so we got convinced into going to catfish farming long story short uh, like i told you you buy the guppy you raise them and then you sell them back but then my they wouldn't buy from my dad because he was pretty much the only you know cuban fish farmer you know uh, the fish don't taste right oh the fish is too big so you know they end up kind of shafting them in a way so my dad lost a lot of money in the fish market uh, that was one uh two in school so i ended up getting put into um taekwondo and like jujitsu as a young kid because no uh, way bro i didn't know that yeah 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 i did taekwondo my mom even drove me to like greensboro um greensboro like alabama or greensboro mississippi to go to a competition for like uh, taekwondo they never wanted to take me but they ended up taking me to one I did okay. I wasn't like the greatest, but like I learned how to like you know defend myself and stuff like that. How did you like the jujitsu? Um, so the jujitsu I liked it, but there was like an issue where like, uh, the coach was female, and I was kind of like frowned upon, you know, because Alabama's a very rural state. Like it's still like back in that day, it was still, I guess not. I I haven't been back to Alabama, but back in that day, it was pretty rough. So like, it was a female coach and. I started training her like a little bit. And I was like one of the only students. Like it was only very few students. And then like from one day to the next, she like wasn't training anymore or whatever. So I didn't do jujitsu too long. I did a lot more uh, taekwondo. Um, but that that was another thing. Like I'd go to school and like uh, you know get picked on and stuff like that. You know, hey, I'm not I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm not Mexican. But, like what am I? You know, people are like, oh, you Cuban? Like what is that? What's what's Cuban? So definitely got into a couple of fights. And the, the reason they put me into um, Taekwondo was because in Alabama back in the day, I don't know if it's still active. So you get into a fight, it's not like you get suspended or, 
you know, they kick you out of school. It's, you go to the principal's office, and depending on how bad it was, like a fight was the worst, bend over, touch your toes, and the principal spanks you with like a paddle. No like way. <laughs> yeah, it was, the, it was the worst. And my dad was like, but not only did you get your ass whooped, like the principal spanking you too. And I don't know. I didn't get it, but go fuck you. He's like, yeah, you're going to have to go. Like, you're going to have to learn how to defend yourself. And that's like how the whole Taekwondo stuff started. So like for me, like I said, like, you know, I lived it. So like for me, it's 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 not a sensitive subject, but like I said, it's something I choose not to talk about because, you know, I lived it. and I, I've seen it and I, I've seen the worst and I've seen the best too because um, we actually had a mechanic that, you know, a black man, Mr. Claude. I'll never forget this guy. Older guy, he was like seven years old. Long story short, when we, you know, first employed him, he was my dad's mechanic. You know, my dad's Cuban. Cubans are very mixed culture. They're from Afro-Cuban to white Cuban to Trienio like us to, to Chinese Cuban. Cuba Jewish like, Cubans, yeah, everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cuban, Cuba was the largest island in the Caribbean. It's the biggest melting pot. So my dad goes to the mechanic, Mr. Claude. Uh, at that time, huge responsibility too, going back to the beginning of the conversation. I was a translator for like everything, you know, because I knew English and Spanish and my dad's English and my mom's English was broken. So my dad goes, hey, tell the mechanic, Mr. Claude, to wash his hands, come in for dinner or come in for lunch. And so yeah, I tell the guy, and then he's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't. And my dad's like, what do you mean he can't? Like, uh, he, uh, he's like, uh, you know, is he offended or something like that? He goes, no, he can't. He says he brought in his own lunch. And then he says, no, nah, that's tell him to keep his lunch, that he has to come in and eat with us, this and that. So whatever, the guy washes his hands, comes, comes in. We used to live in a trailer, like one of those double wides. And uh, comes in the trailer, sits down, and then the guy is just, you know, shedding like one of those lonely tears, like very like humble and like very quiet. And then, you know, we're Cuban. We had like rice and beans and pork and all kinds of crazy stuff on the table. And then my dad's like, hey, ask this guy, like, you know, does, does he not like the food or is he offended? Did we say something wrong? And then, you know, I translate that and Mr. Clark goes, he goes, no, tell your father that, you know, I, I'm 70 years old and this is the first time a white man's ever invited me to his house to eat lunch. I mean, you can see my skin color, like I, I'm dark and my dad's the same thing. And, you know, we're all dark. We're not really like white. And, you know, that hit us, that impacted us, my mom, my dad, me, and like, we're like, yo, Mr. Cloud, you know, we don't see that, we don't, we don't see that stuff, please have lunch with us. And I got to a point, since they wouldn't buy catfish from us, we would invite Mr. Cloud, his family, like, bro, we'd have like a gang of like 20 people just fishing out of our catfish ponds. Cause we'd have any, you know, they wouldn't buy from us. So like, hey, bro, bring your family, bring whoever you want. You guys can fish as much as you want. So they would come and like, you know, fish in our farm and, you know, we develop a relationship with them and stuff like that. And Mr. Cloud became a good friend of the family and stuff like that. So going to that subject, like to me, you know, I've seen it. I've seen what it can do to a person or to a man. Right, right, right. right. And in general, you know, like, hey, like this guy's crying. I'm like, yo, I'm, I mean, I got a tan now, but I'm like, yo, I'm borderline, like, you know, brown. Like, I'm, I'm brown, you know, and he's like, oh, it's the first time a white man's ever invited me to his house. Like, you know, it's like. You know, we don't even see that. You know, being Cuban, like you said, in a melting pot, comes from Miami. I'm like, you know, we don't see that. But then we you go somewhere that. else. We go somewhere else and you live it and you see it and you're like, wow. Well, you know, it have, does happen. Have you yeah. ever seen that episode, that funny episode of Que Pasa USA? Where I've seen a few, but I don't know what you're talking about. Dude, check this one out. So there's an episode where the girl, Carmen, gets a friend 
to come study with the house. The friend that comes happens to be a black dude, right? Mm -hmm. So the black dude's in the house. He's there. He notices that every ornament that they have in the house, a rooster, uh, the lamp and everything, is exactly like his house. So he's like, oh, my God, look at this stuff. It's exactly like this. But while he's picking it up, the grandparents come in the house. They come in the room, and they see the black dude picking up the stuff. They're like, oh, my God, he's going to rob us. So yeah. they start coming out like this whole thing. Like they're watching the guy, watching the guy, watching the guy, watching the guy. And this whole thing, is the whole episode goes like this, right? And then they're like, no, because you were going to rob us. The kid comes with his mom and this whole thing, you know, obviously it was a misunderstanding, but blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And they're like, no, this is right. All of a sudden, a guy knocks in the door. And it's this black dude, super black, super black. But he comes open the door. He's like, mi gente, como estamos? And then they're, they're like high five. And they're like pumps. They're like, whoa. And the kid goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How come you're friends with him? He's blacker than me. And he goes, they're like, whoa. Hey, they're like, no, no, no. Eddie's not black. He's Cuban. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy, man. It's it from is. what I've seen, from what I've seen, man, people, be pro people. Control what you can control. It's crazy right now, but it's, it's times, and I tell this to people a lot, man. You, the amount of people that have gotten smacked at a coffee store now for not wearing a mask or for calling somebody out for not wearing—it's just crazy, man. Everybody's like on tilt. It is. It is. It's. It's just something. It's a time to like hang tight, Nick, and just do what you got to do and find your happiness and not be that Mister Social guy too much when talking to people out there because people are like on on a serious situation, man. Yeah, a lot of people on edge, and like I said, those kind of subjects. Yeah, it's um, a little hard. I just it's a little hard. I choose not to have an opinion on it. You know, like I know my truth, just like you know your truth, and you know we all live different lives. We all live different stories. I don't know if you had a bad day or a good day, so stuff like that. I just choose to, you know, all right, cool, you know, I, you know, just keep it moving. You know. I hear you, bro. I hear you, Nick. Any question for me, man? Anything you can ask me? Uh, no, nah, man. Uh, honestly, uh, like I said, I mean, I talked to you before this. Very humbling. Thank you so much. You know, I'm not like any of those other guys that you have on the show, but I really do appreciate it. And, uh, hey, man, it's, it's an honor to be on uh, on a podcast with the Coach HP. Dude, small like is, this, is this your first podcast? It is. I've heard a bunch of yours, but the steak guy was my favorite, just because I love steak. Bro, every time I see that motherfucker's uh, IG, dude, those two Rakko steaks. So he gave me a bunch of those steaks. And I, I didn't know. That. I didn't know. If not, I would have given you one. Bro, next time he yes, he wants to give me a couple more. And I try to get him. Let dude, me know. I'll, take, I'll, I'll strap the grill of the truck. Take it over. Bro, it is like, it is insane how good it is. And then that's when I started my one <laughs> eating once a day thing. I started off I, that. Actually, that is the only one question you asked me about my diet. How's that for? What are you fasting for? Like 24, 48 hours? Forty-eight hours. So I eat. How do you get four, through that Me mentally? How do you get? Through? I eat like every three hours. Like, it, yeah, it's just bro. Crazy. 
we will also remember you're doing construction, so that's 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 yeah. heavy work, you know. Right. Hey, I'm I'm podcasting out here and uh, and doing yeah. stuff like that, but mentally though, how do you get through that? Like you heat mentally, you, you have to like at the first because I tried the fasting, like those fasting windows, it doesn't work for me. Me, yeah, I right. eat whenever I'm, like whenever I want food or I need food, I eat it and I just work it right. out if I have to. But how do you so mentally he, get through that? Like you know, bro, I'm starving right now. Like I need okay. to eat. How do you get through he, that? He, here you go. So before I started, right? So I was, man, I was in real good shape when i got to las vegas like the best shape of my life yeah i remember you're like a buck 90 and you're like what six two no like bro i was i was like one at the time i was like 170 180 wow one, super lean for your height lean, you're like, what? Bro. You're like six you're like two, six, yeah, six two right yeah uh bro veins in the stomach i was on point bro when i got to las vegas dude my four years of las vegas that lasted probably Cause I figured for my for my move, Nick, I go. I have to wear a suit and tie. So I go. I'm the most ripped guy here. I look great, but I but I'm it's to waste. I gotta wear a suit and tie. It sucks. I wasn't going to any pool parties because I was working 24 seven. So I discovered the employee dining room where we would eat for free, and that just yeah. fucked it all up, bro. I would eat yeah. everything. So all of Vegas. I struggled with my weight, bro. I was overweight, 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 overweight. Thank God. Right before I happened to your sister to come to Vegas, I got on some very similar to what I'm doing now. Not as intense, but very similar as that I'm doing now. I got to think there's a place in Vegas that was delicious called Skinny Fats. Okay. And Skinny Fats was like a borderline healthy place, but had good stuff. So I made a choice. I go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. I'm going to have one time, one meal a day. And it was two every single day, bro. It was two. I'm lucky I don't suffer from high cholesterol or anything like that. Uh-huh. Two beef patties. Two with, I think with cheese, two fried eggs on top of it <laughs> with sweet potato fries. Okay. And water. That was my one meal every single day. I would go there and I would eat that. I started doing, I started working out, but instead of doing the gym, what really got me in shape then is I started doing spinning. Right, yeah, spinning. With, I would take two classes a day. I would do spinning because I worked that night at the casino. Spinning, and then I would do hot Pilates after. Okay. Every single day, except the weekends, I would, that was my formula. And then I started working out and it just so happened to, for me to hit when I met your sister. If not, I don't think I would have had a shot when I was pudgy before, bro. So I was like a 185, which was awesome. Control my diet, whatever, whatever. When I start with your sister, we come, I come my first trip here to Miami and she takes me, no, let's go to this place here with this chicken parmesan. I don't eat chicken parmesan in forever. I got that, chicken parmesan. Is that like her favorite place? What's that place called? Uh... It was, no, it was one place in Hollywood. No, it was one place like Hollywood up there or something. But, yeah, there's a place in Hollywood famous for chicken parm. I can't think of the name right now. So, I don't know, some Italian restaurant there, bro. Right. I had, and we, it was a, we, we were together like for three days, and I had chicken parmesan. And I think it was the first time that I had a Coke. And from there, buddy, my whole thing just went to the ground, gone. bro. Yeah, gone. gone. 
And I've been battling my way for probably, I think we've been together now five years. Till I never got it right in Miami. I, had, I got it right for two weeks and I would break it. Got it right for two and I would break it. I would break it. And during when this Corona thing started, bro, I got up to 235, man. 232. 232. That's a big boy. Which is, which is heavy for me, man. And I'm on camera every day. I'm seeing my neck rolls. I'm, seeing, I'm like, oh, this is horrible, bro. If I don't get this under control. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. And I started. I, I would eat once. And I would eat, eat the following day. I did not even working out. Just that. So I eat every 48 hours. Oh, man. It's brutal. When I was in the grind, like the first to lose weight, then I, I would do a... I would do the steak. I would do steak with Cape Cod uh, potato chips and water. I'd have one meal, and that's it. And then when I would do lessons and stuff, it would be outside, so I would sweat a lot. And I did that, I think maybe for two months, man. I remember when I started the show that I was doing that. And dude, a lot of just mental stuff, bro. I go, I know I can get through this, I get through this, I get through this. And I dropped from 40 pounds, from 132, from 232 to 192. So now I'm wow. like at 192 around there. Uh, not like diesel or anything of, of weight. Right but at least I, I feel good and I right, look, right. look good, bro. I don't look like some fat dude anymore, thank God. So I have that. Soon I'm going to start the gym again and start doing stuff. But that's just how I did it, bro. And then obviously now, because I'm at the weight I like, I'll eat more. During the day that I eat, I'll eat more. So I won't eat one meal. I try not so much to eat late, but I'll, I'll have like whatever I want. I don't have, I, but I don't do soda. And I don't yeah, do no, McDonald's. I don't do fast food. I don't do fast food at all. And it was hard because with craving, sometimes I get her pizza. I get her a bakery food, whatever. And I was just nothing, 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 nothing. Just looking at the croqueta, right? Just wanting, just, just no, peeking just, at it. Dude, I would see that. I would. She would order the hardest one. Man, was one Friday night. She got pizza. I got her pizza, and I would have to get everything for her. I get her pizza, bro. And I debated in my bedroom while I was sleeping all night. I debated if I should grab a slice of you know the leftover pizza. The leftover, the leftover, just sitting there looking at you, just sitting there in the kitchen. And all night I'm like, man, can I get through this? Is this gonna start a bad thing for me? Oh my god. So now, tomorrow, I eat today. Tomorrow, I don't eat. And then, hold on. Salud. Thank you, sir. And then I'll eat, uh, I'll eat Tuesday. I'll eat Wednesday. I don't know. I'll eat Tuesday, Thursday. And then I'll do usually Saturday and Sunday. I'll do Saturday and Sunday. Nick, dude, we've been talking for one hour, 12 minutes. It's going to be 13 minutes right now, man. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. I love this. I love this because, A, I get to see you. I get to talk to you. And it's easy. You know, it's like you, it's not like, oh, I got to drive home now. Or you got to drive home now. You know, you're sitting All there right. chilling. It's something different because everybody has good stories, man. And everybody has stories of that sucked and everybody has stories as good. And I think with what the podcasters do is that they do a lot of 
cloud chasing. Like, right. oh, this is somebody. Let me grab this guy. Let me grab that guy. And listen, you got to have people on, obviously. But because they're, they want so much views and they want on stuff, they just do that. And they just literally do that. And I hate that, bro. I wanted to do this. And I said, listen, if I like somebody and I think they're cool and they got a cool story, I'm going to have them on. I don't care who they are. I don't care if anybody knows. Them. I don't care if everybody knows. Them. So that, that was my goal with this. I appreciate it, man. Really humbling, really humbling. For sure, dude. Somebody's uh, going to listen to uh, this. You know, I, I think, you know, I text you, I was like, yeah, I don't know what to say. You're <laughs> cool, relax. Just, no, just, just like this, bro. And then the benefit I get out of this, Nick, is it's another rep for me. Like another person to talk to, another, because I view this a lot, like at bats and baseball, like stand-up comedians. You know, stand-up comedians, they have to bomb. Yeah. Because that's how you write your material. So you literally, and that's why you'll see uh, Dave Chappelle walk into some bullshit little comedy club that nobody knows which, but he's working out material in front of strangers where you get booed, you get cheered, whatever. And this, I view the same way, man. This, to me, is reps to, to get it going. So, my you man, I... Yes. I Number one, I want to thank you so much, dude, for... Every single time that there's been some fucking bullshit that I put you through with some storage <laughs> thing or they've had you Never. come here and you become Mr. Chef all of a sudden and you get, <laughs> there, there goes your outing. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, since you're like the Swiss Army knife, every time there's something, <laughs> you get put to fucking work, bro. So th that's number one. Number two, I still think you're so young, man, and your, your moment of shining of really shining is not even you haven't even started that yet dude that process is coming and when that hits you're gonna remember me all these skills that you've gotten from all these little places and whatever you do you're gonna be like wow man look how this came into that and that came into this and you're gonna see how big it's gonna become man yeah for sure i appreciate it. you've always been in my corner man i really appreciate that uh like i said man it's it's awesome to you know talk to you like this, but you know, for anybody that doesn't know, you know, I I can I get to personally call Coach HP, you know, for advice and stuff like that, and it's awesome, you know, same person you are on camera, you are off camera, and that's I think that's one of the most uh, things I respect the most about you, you know, like hey, this guy is, you know, he speaks his truth, and you know, he's just always like that. Like I said, man, you can piss in his Cheerios, and you know, ask you, man, you're not hydrated enough, bro. You gotta drink some more water. <laughs> <laughs> my man my man all right nick i'll let you go so you can do what you gotta do bro all right man you too i appreciate it I really always do, always but, always i can't wait to you. listen you're gonna you're gonna show this to your grandkids bro you're gonna be able to show sure. this interview it's gonna be in history it's gonna be history by the way one last question what's the last thing you saw on netflix have you been watching it? have you been seeing it or no i've been trying to watch i'm in between hannibal uh and then I've been watching a little bit of that uh, Kualita story. That's you. a good one, bro. That's a real good one, man. I've been watching that. I, I just, I work so much. Like, I watch it, and then, like, 10 minutes in, I'm sleeping already, so. I can uh, tell I because, you know, when the preseason says, I see Hannibal, and I see Hannibal pop up. I'm yeah, like, what's... Yeah. So, for anybody that doesn't know, Coach HP hooks me up with the Netflix, so. No, yeah. you're, the, you're the man. But it's yeah. funny because I, I go to your sister. I go, because I'm the one in charge of entertainment at nighttime here. 
So okay. not because I want to, only because I, I'm literally like, I always ask her, what, what do you want to watch? No, some good. So I'm like literally picking stuff. We usually go three options. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, I don't do too much. I got the Hulu thing because of the little Dicky show. Yeah. Which I yeah, yeah. which which I I heard was pretty good, but not, it was good, but it's it's off now. And Apple TV. So we'll, we'll we'll do that whole thing there. And she watches Real Housewives now. Of so course. there's a real there's a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills thing now. And that whole thing. So it was so funny. I saw Cuba Libre and I go, oh, this dude's watching Cuba Libre and I see the Hannibal thing. So yeah, I love yeah. it, brother. I'm not a, I'm not as far as you think I am. I just pass out and then the TV keeps playing. But That's how uh, you do it. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, bro. So tomorrow, I know what's on the menu. Chicken and cauliflower. Uh, is that what it is? I, chicken and cauliflower. And then if I can squeeze in some extra calories, a little bit of sweet baby raised uh, barbecue sauce. There we go. There we go. All right, brother. Uh, oh, yeah. Have a good night, dude. You too, my brother. Take care. Thank you. Good job. Okay, bye. Later, bro. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.